Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. In the 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. And nobody could come close to us. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Who knows, maybe we come out running like wing T or something. Right on cue, Justin Fields to the end zone. With your host, the one and only, Kevin Power. We're rolling and it's go time. Let's talk football. A never a dull moment with the Chicago Bears. Chaos at Hallis Hall this week. Report from Mark Conkle at Patch.com. Kind of out of nowhere, Mark's not a Bears reporter, not a sports reporter, but uh, comes out and says, Matt Nagy will be fired on Thanksgiving after the Bears play the Lions. Pretty wild stuff. I'm Kevin Powell, episode 21 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. I'm going to get into all of that with Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. And the IHSA State Football Finals are here. Eight games uh, over the weekend, Friday and Saturday, up at Northern Illinois. There was no state championships last year because of the pandemic, but uh, they're back. So there's some great matchups, and I covered it all with uh, Mike Clark. Follow him on Twitter, at Mike Clark Preps, for some great high school uh, football, basketball coverage, right for the Sun-Times. But, man, what a, what a week, uh, a past 48 hours for the Chicago Bears after that report. No denial from the team, which they kind of just let Matt Nagy go out there and do his thing. And to Nagy's credit, he handled it like a pro. He, he really always has. You know, I've, I've been critical of Nagy plenty in, in his coaching um even his press conferences as well. He typically talks in circles and doesn't say a whole lot. But I think he did handle this situation about as well as a head coach in the NFL could handle it. I mean, there's a report out of left field that says he's going to be fired on Thanksgiving. Bears have never fired a coach midseason. We know that. That's uh, repeated just about daily in uh, the, the Bears nation world from fans and reporters. We know that. But I don't know. You know, the the report, Mark Conkle, by the way, after the report happened, John Williams on WGN Radio, uh, had Conkle on to, to talk about it. And here's what he had to say. I got a call this morning. It's a it's a good source. And, um, you know, I, I went with it because, you know, it uh, looks like that's what's going to be happening. And then Conkle, Conkle did drop this, and it became, uh, it, it kind of lined up. Hubble Arkish, who's covered the Bears forever, was on the score, and he said that, that it was George McCaskey. Uh, who who came in and was like, start Justin Fields. It kind of lines up here with what Conkle says to John that, you know, the Bears have made decisions based off some outrage from fans and some pressure. Here was the the last minute or so uh, with Conkle and John Williams on Tuesday morning. You know, I, you know, I couldn't get in, get in the mind of the Bears after all the things that have happened this year. Um, but, you know, it does seem, you know, in my opinion, the Bears have made a lot of decisions based on public opinion this year. They've got a lot riding on moving to Arlington Heights. You know, there's a lot of public pressure to make Justin Fields the starter. You know, after Andy Dalton got got um, tweaked his knee and um, after Game Two, so um, you know, I think that this is an unprecedented season for the Bears. You know that uh, when a lot of things that are happening don't seem to be uh, yeah, following yeah, protocol. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe the Bears, you know, the social media platform, like, you have fire naggy chants at a high school football game. Bulls are getting blown out. Fire naggy chants at the United Center. So maybe they are bending to the pressure 
of the fan base, which has been fed up for a long time now. And maybe they have said, you know what, let's do it differently this time. Let's. It's time to move on. Now, I don't know why they wouldn't have fired Nagy after the Ravens debacle. A very winnable game. Another one they let slip away. It was an awful day for Matt Nagy. So I don't know. Maybe the Bears front office, and maybe part of the report is true. Like, maybe they have decided that they are going to fire Matt Nagy, let's say, Friday after Thanksgiving. In that report as well from Conklin, it said that Matt Nagy had been informed on Monday that he would be fired after the Thanksgiving game. Now, maybe part of this is true, where maybe they have decided they're going to fire Matt Nagy. They just didn't tell him yet. Brad Biggs had a report late Tuesday night that Nagy did end up meeting with with ownership and the front office and all of that and talked about it and then canceled these the evening walkthroughs at Hallis Hall. It's been a wild couple days for the Chicago Bears. And, you know, I don't think they handled it all very well as an organization. Again, I thought Matt Nagy handled it as about as well as you can, especially if he was blindsided by it, especially if he hadn't talked with ownership about his job status. Now, I think all of us can agree that Matt Nagy is probably gone after this year. I, I don't know how they could run it back with him again unless there's some sort of miracle, win seven games, sneak in. Not going to happen. You know, and and then, you know, secondary to this, like Justin Fields isn't even playing on Thanksgiving. That would have been the big story of the week, right? Justin Fields banged up. It's going to be Andy Dalton. It's a lot less exciting to watch this Bears team when Justin Fields isn't on the field because he's the guy we think is the future of the organization. Uh, banged up, though, ribs. Going to miss this. It made no sense to play him this week, obviously. Short week. There's no reason to rush him out there. But, man, a weird day for the Chicago Bears. But I got into it more with Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. Now joining me on the podcast is Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. Follow him on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Zach, thanks for jumping on. And I guess I'll just uh, give you the floor here. Your initial thoughts when a patch.com from Mark Conkle um, posts that Matt Nagy's been informed he's, he's going to be fired after the Thanksgiving game. What were your initial thoughts to that? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, it was you know not surprising because I'm still in the camp. I, I believe that you know Matt Nagy is going to be done. You know whether it is Monday, like the report said, or um, sometime between now and the end of the season. I think just the, the mistakes the Bears have made more recently against the Ravens, not being able to beat a backup quarterback, kind of did him in. The report was interesting though, um, and there was a couple key things in there. Um, you know, it was one major source that the author trusted, um, but there was a specific date in there on Monday. And that at first kind of makes sense to me because, you know, if, if you made up your mind and you're ready to fire him, why not just do it after the Baltimore game? You know, beating the Lions essentially does nothing. That's not really a checkmark for good on your resume. Um, losing the Lions is a, is a checkmark for bad. So it, I felt like if they were ready to do it, they should have just done it already. Not to say that the author's lying or anything like that, um, because I do think he has a good source, and I do think the Bears are going to move on, but it kind of just also wasn't shocking, you know, to see um, a report like this come out that the Bears are ready to move on, because it just feels like, you know, it, it's time. It, it's The Matt era has is should be coming to an end. So, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't as shocking. Um, I think the chaos after the fact was a little more... Um, 
shocking and, and uh, kind of interesting, to say the least. Yeah, why don't you think the Bears got out in front of it? I guess didn't necessarily get in front of it because the report came out, but it, it, it they basically just went about the day like it was just a normal day, right? They, they stuck to the media schedule with the coaches. Chris Tabor, the first to talk to you guys uh, at Hallis Hall. Um, I guess it's not all that surprising because it's the Bears, but there was there was no denial of the report. Now maybe the Bears just didn't want to comment on it because it's – you know, maybe they were shrugging it off, and if and if it wasn't true, but were you surprised they didn't come out and a statement, something from the team, from the organization? I, w- I was a little surprised, but also I wasn't as shocked either. If that kind of makes sense, because like you said, I mean, it is the Bears. They you know they kind of run things their own way. It kind of seems like they really don't care um, in a way for certain things. But yeah, it was, you know, I thought they should have got out in front of it because Chris Tabor usually, so their Tuesday this week was essentially their Wednesday in a normal week um, because of the short week. And Chris Tabor usually talks first and okay, that that's fine. But you're putting your special teams coordinator out there to essentially, you know, take the bullets right away. I mean, it's, you know, the first two questions were about the report and, you know, as reporters, we have to do our job and ask that. And I think Chris handled it perfectly. Um, you know, he, he answered the questions. He said, I get it. Um, to me, I didn't think he was aware of the report yet. So he talked, you know, I think it was like 1055. The report was on like nine o'clock. So I, I don't think the bears vetted him or, or gave him any idea going into it. By the time Matt Nagy spoke, you know, you kind of felt like he knew about it, um, and then Bill Lazor knew about it. He spoke like 20 minutes later. So I think they tried to get ahead of it, but, you know, they could have done a way better job at that. I don't think, you know, to keep in mind here, there's probably two scenarios. If the report is true, you know, the Bears could, or the source could have told the author of the report um, that, you know, it's going to happen and the Bears really didn't think it was going to get out and now their plans are kind of busted and out in the open and all that stuff and kind of backfired. Um, well, the other part is, like you said, it, it might not be true and, and they might not have told Matt Nagy, um, you know, he's done, he's, stuff like that. So a lot of things to consider, but it was chaos. It was, you know, poorly planned by the Bears. They should have said something. Um, maybe they should have even let Matt Nagy just go first. I didn't expect to hear from George or Ted or Ryan Pace. We only hear from them once or twice a year, um, if that. And the last time we heard <laughs> from all three of them in one room, it was kind of a disaster of end-of-season press conference. Mm-hmm. I just I just wish they would have, you know, done Matt Nagy and Chris Tabor and maybe the coaches a, a little more there because I felt bad. You know, I, it, it, Matt Nagy is not a good coach in my eyes, but he's also, you know, been a really good guy in the media. He, he seems like a really nice guy. And I kind of felt like they, you know, just – Threw him and Chris Tabor out there, put him in bad situations, and you know I got to give props to them. They handled it very well. They handled it extremely professional, and they didn't really dodge anything asked. Yeah, I know things, and Twitter doesn't reflect reality, and people can get really fired up and nasty, especially when it comes to sports, because that's just where we are. We're at with with sports and social media. But like Matt Nagy is probably a really good dude. You know, he's a family Mm -hmm. man. He has handled it all as about as well as you can handle it. Now. Has he made plenty of mistakes as a coach? Absolutely. I thought the Ravens game, you know, among a lot of bad things that happened on Sunday, I I thought it was one of his worst games. And that's saying something, and especially in a game they had to have if they wanted to make salvage any sort of playoff run. And then for his job, 
which obviously people have been very critical of over the past couple of years. Um, I, I just thought he did a horrible job in that game. You know, there was some questionable play calling. You're going against a Ravens team that doesn't have Lamar Jackson. Uh, his timeout usage in the second half was, was really, really bad. And like you said earlier, I think if they were going to move on from him, you, you could have just done it after that game, and I think everybody would have been just fine with it. I will say this, too, about the report. It does say, like, this report from Conkle could be partially true, where, you know, it says Matt Nagy was informed that he would be let go Thursday. Well, maybe the Bears are planning on letting him go Thursday, but that part of the report maybe isn't true. Maybe they didn't tell him that, which it still would have been weird. I've been comparing it to, like, telling a girlfriend you're going to break up with her in three days. You know, this is, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, right? Like, hey, Matt, let's yeah. finish out this week and we're going to fire you. So who knows? Maybe the Bears were planning this. Maybe the source is correct, but maybe they just didn't tell Matt Nagy yet. Yeah, and, you know, that's an interesting layer of it, too. You know, and, and in that case, they probably didn't expect it to kind of leak out um, when it did, and, and, you know, and they got scooped, and that could very well be true. And then they kind of look like people with egg on their face because, you know, for that to come out, especially in a short week, um, I would have to ask them, you know, why wouldn't you just do it after the Ravens game then? I mean, because, you know, what happens if Matt Nagy wins Thursday – and they fire him after a win. It just kind of doesn't make sense in that in that way. And you know what? To be honest, it, it doesn't shock me. Nothing shocks with this organization. Um, I just I feel like they just do everything backwards. Um, they they have their own way of doing stuff, and for whatever reason, they stick to it. You know, they've never fired a head coach in season. Um, they have their own secretive media, you know, policies and stuff like that, where they try to keep everything under wraps and have the competitive advantage, which. You know, thankfully they've won all these Super Bowls over the last, you know, 10 years to be competitive advantage. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's odd. And I think that's a very real and possible scenario that they were going to plan on doing it. And, um, you know, it, it got leaked out. And they kind of were caught like, oh, crap, it, it leaked out. I, I don't know now because I don't know what to expect now because I think if he loses on, on Thursday the Lions – no matter what, even if this report didn't come out, I thought he would have been fired because you, you just can't can't lose the Lions, a winless team on Thanksgiving, and, and have, have another six-game losing streak. Yeah, I, I'm with you, too. I, I thought Sunday was a disaster, and you had an extra week to prepare. And granted, they were probably preparing for Lamar Jackson the entire time, um, but that's still no excuse because Tyler Huntley is not really a good quarterback. I mean, he's a guy who had like 16 attempts going into that game. And they did a good job on him early on in that game. I think the fourth quarter, they kind of wore down and he kind of, you know, found a little bit of a, of a groove. Um, but he did throw an interception in the fourth quarter as well. So it was just, it was a mess. Their offense, zero points in the first half. That's inexcusable, especially coming off of a bye. And right away, we saw it on the first drive, third down in Ravens territory, and they call, a, you know, a pitch to the short side of the field. Mm. And um, Baltimore's linebacker McQueen just blows it up and, and reads it perfectly. I don't understand that play call at all. Um, the, the timeout usage wasn't good. I thought there was a couple quotes um, dating back to Sunday and even yesterday with Bill Lazor. When Matt Nagy was explaining those timeouts, I was sitting there and I'm thinking, does this guy even, did he even know what the score was? Because he had an interesting one that said, well, you know, you're, you're trying to decide to make a five or six. If you're trying to decide to make a five or six, the answer is you go for two. I mean, there's no difference in that because you're 
you're thinking ahead. You're thinking, okay, they're not going to score on us. You're not thinking, well, if we get five and they score. You're not thinking that at all. You should have your mind made up on that drive when it started. And then yesterday, um, Bill Lazor was asked about the play calling with Justin Fields compared to Andy Dalton. And he, you know, I'll give him props. He, he shouldered all of the blame. He said, I got to do a better job of getting them into rhythm, getting Fields into a rhythm early in the game. We're just not doing that. We didn't really call the right plays, the routes, stuff like that. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, well, you're not putting your rookie quarterback into good situations. That's a red flag, number one. This has happened multiple times throughout the year where you start off slow. That's another red flag. And now you're admitting it a couple of days later after you've already admitted it earlier in the year. It's just, it just feels like a mess up there. It almost feels like a circus and this coaching staff and, and they, they, they can't get it on track. And man, it's with seven more games, you know, we get six, hopefully six of Justin Fields, but. It's, it could get brutal down here because they have some tough games coming up. Yeah, the Bears have lost 16 of the last 21 games under Matt Nagy. It's been bad. I'm, I'm glad you brought oh. up that third and five because I've been talking about it all week. I talked about it on the postgame pod. It was just like, and, and we can move forward from it. It's already in the pet, but like it just it's to the point of like poor coaching. It, it, Mm-hmm. I hated that play for so many on so many different levels because you, you were driving. It's okay, finally some early rhythm from this offense. They can get some points on the board. That's a play that it, that was such just like a naggy offensive play call, and it also took Justin Fields out of the equation. Right, like he didn't have the yep. option to run. He didn't have the option to throw. You 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 did a little pitch to the right, and it was stopped. I I just hated that play call. And then again, and the, wor- the yeah. worst part about that is too is is usually. The first 15 to 20 plays, you know, your first drive is scripted. And that tells me that they came in this game thinking, okay, a pitch here on third down. Um, you know, probably if it was probably third and eight, third and ten, they're probably not going to do it. But third and five, I don't understand why you're you know, pitching it and going to the short side at all. Yeah, yeah it was. Well, you know, during, after yesterday's chaos, Brad Biggs had a report in the Tribune of that, that Maggie, Nagy did eventually meet with, with ownership front office. And then canceled the second walkthrough after talking to the team. Do you think that Matt Nagy has? And look, I, the players are saying all the right things. Deshaun Gibson, who's been on some bad teams, was like, "This is not the locker room's not what it's it's been in some of the other situations he's been in." But like, do you think he's lost the locker room? Do you think he's lost some of the players? Where do you think that's all at? Man, that's tough because. You know, Matt Nagy in, in his tenure here, no matter how bad it's gotten, in, in 2019 it got some pretty low points. 2020 was pretty low as well, especially with the quarterback switches. I think the one thing that we can look back on is, for the most part, he's had the respect in the locker room. He's had the respect of these players. He never lost that. I think he hasn't fully lost it yet, um, but I do think there are players in there that are kind of like, okay, um, it's time to move on. We got to turn things around and, and maybe it's kind of, you know, hopped off the Maggie Van wagon and, and are ready for a change. I don't think it's 100% of the locker room. Um, there was that report out there, was Jordan Schultz, who kind of, uh, oddly enough, is Alan Robinson's like podcast hoster for an NBA podcast mm-hmm. or co-host. Um, and Robinson was kind of unhappy with that report when we talked to him yesterday. You know, he said that him and Schultz talked to each other about it, and um, he really wasn't happy with it. So I don't know if it was directly coming from Allen Robinson, because I, I don't think Allen Robinson has an agenda to plant seeds, because frankly, I don't think he's going to be here after this year. I think his mind is already made up. But yeah, I, I could see, you know, there is some maybe tension in the locker room. I think the quote that really kind of stood out to me was Jalen Johnson on Monday, and he had a quote where he said, 
you know, something about rah-rah speeches in the last five weeks, enough of those, we, we can't keep doing those. And that tells me that, you know, they're kind of not, some of the players might not be buying in fully to what's going on um, with the coaching staff and stuff like that. But, yeah, the, the Biggs report was kind of interesting, too, because it came out, you know, late at night, I think it was like 9.30 or something like that. Um, and it, it revealed a lot more of the chaos that happened yesterday. And I saw that a lot of us, you know, I didn't know that went on, so it was news to me. But, yeah, from everything I've read and been told, it does seem like the players were just a little upset that, you know, Nagy didn't address the situation, you know, head on right away and kind of waited until after the press conferences and all that. It's interesting. The, uh, you know, the other news, too, that's become almost secondary here, a footnote to all of the chaos yesterday, is that Justin Fields is not going to play, which that would typically be yeah. the headline of the week, right? If this was a, you know, a fairly winning team or they were playing better and they weren't on a losing streak and there weren't reports about Matt Nagy. Uh, it, I, I think the hope here, obviously, is he misses just this game. It's a short week. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to play him. Um, but there is a game to be played. It's, it's almost like you forget they got a game tomorrow. It's like everybody's focused yep. on the other stuff. But, I mean, do you? I think the Bears are going to win just because it's the Lions. And, you know, the Bears have actually been in the, their past three games, really. Even that, that Niners game, too, that was a winnable game. The past three, too. That's what stings. And I know it has a lot of fans fired up. And the last two, you had you had leads late in the game. Um your thoughts on the matchup? Uh, it sounds like Jared Goff might play. Uh, he's dealing with an oblique injury, but um, think the Bears get a victory? Yeah, I think they're going to win. Um, I got We got to find out who's scheduling the Bears and Lions on Thanksgiving. Three out of the last four years, and all three of the games have um, essentially had a backup quarterback starting in them. So I'm guessing the uh, like Sox and CBS are not happy mm-hmm. uh, that that went down. But I, I do think the Bears are going to win. I think lost in all this, like you said, you know, there is a game to be played. And I think with the mad negative chaos, a lot of people are just kind of assuming the worst and assuming doom and thinking he's going to get fired no matter what and they're just going to lose the game. The Lions are a really bad team. I mean, they're 0-9-1 for a reason. They're not very good. They've hung around the last two games. They, you know, they tied Pittsburgh. They um, made it was like a one-score game against Cleveland last week. But they're just not very good. And I, I think the Bears are going to win. I do think Andy Dalton will play well. Um, We'd obviously love to see Justin Fields. I think everyone would love to see Justin Fields out there and see his development again. Um, you, you know, Andy Dalton is capable of beating a Detroit team. Now, whether it's Tim Boyle or Jared Goff, honestly, I don't know if it matters. I, I don't think Jared Goff is very good either. Um, Tim Boyle, I'd obviously like say 100% guarantee a Bears win. Maybe Jared Goff kind of, you know, pushes that needle just a tad bit more, but I don't think golf is good enough to beat the Bears. I think Chicago, if they stick to the run, get David Montgomery going, and then kind of, you know, Andy Dalton's a veteran. And one thing that I did like with Andy Dalton against Baltimore was he had familiar, he was familiar against them and, and their scheme. Baltimore schemes are going to blitz and you're going to one-on-one coverage, you're going to get man coverage, and, and Dalton took advantage of that. I think having a veteran quarterback out there will help, um, you know, seeing what Detroit's going to throw at you in terms of disguising their blitzes. I think Dalton will play well. I, I'm, I'm just curious to see how Matt Nagy is going to coach this game. And I think it would just be so Bears-like that they're ready to fire this guy, and he comes out and, you know, he's calling all these plays and the, and the offense is working, and they're putting up, like, 35 points, and, and he's got his gadget plays working, and it's kind of just like, well, see, it could work. I, don't, I wouldn't save his job or anything like that, but it would just be so Bears-like to see something like that. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think it's be a little bit of a closer game. I, I would probably say, like, Bears 17, Lions 13, but I do think they're going to get the win. 
do think it's going to be an ugly one. I do wonder, and maybe I'm overthinking this, like if the Bears just spite the report, you know, and wait a week or so mm-hmm. to fire Nagy just because they don't want this report to be accurate, right? Like it's, you know, what if they win and then they already had their mindset on firing him and it just just adds to the craziness yeah, it, of it all. It just, it would be so odd if they won on Thursday and they fired him. Like yeah. it, it, it would just, I wouldn't understand. I mean, why well, would not just do it earlier in the week? <laughs> it just makes no sense. So, what's your gut telling you, though? Final thought: Do you do you think that this report is? And I know we've kind of already covered it here, but your guts. What, what's it telling you? you? Think Nagy's gone after this game? Oh man, I don't think he's gone. I think if he loses this game, he's gone one hundred percent. You know, Thursday night, Friday morning. I think we'll have to go up to House Hall and, and cover that press conference. Um, if they win. I would say more like sixty forty. He's gonna he he's gonna stay for at least another week. But I do think you know now with the NFL switching the rules where you can interview coaching candidates the final two regular season weeks before you had to wait till they're eliminated in the playoffs. I think the Bears would be smart to take advantage of that, and I do think he will be fired before the end of the season. I I, I can't see him. It would take you'd have to win out. You know, win two playoff games. Justin Fields would have to you know turn into an absolute star quicker than they think, you know, or had them planned to be. So, yeah, I, I think Nagy will be gone. I don't think it'll be this week unless they lose, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, early uh, coaching candidates, have you seen any names pop up? Anybody that comes to mind for you that maybe the Bears could look at? Because, yeah, I don't see Nagy being back next year, whether he's fired this week or not. Um, who, who are some early candidates, some buzz names that you're hearing? Yeah, I mean, the three that kind of really stand out the most are, are kind of getting the most buzz. Um, Brian Dable up in Buffalo. Um, but if you watch Buffalo lately, they've been kind of struggling on offense. They really don't have a rushing attack at all. And then you look at um, Kellen Moore in Dallas. He's a young guy, no co- head coaching experience. Um, but he's done a good good job you know, in Dallas with, with the talent they have there. And then I think the guy to kind of keep an interesting eye on is um, Byron Leftwich down in Tampa Bay. You know, working with Tom Brady down there and, um, you know, kind of finding success here the last couple of years. I think he'll be a name. I don't know, you know, it kind of feels like there'll be one that'll come out of nowhere. I, when I was doing, you know, reports on coaching candidates back in, what, 20, what 2017, 2018, when they hired Matt Nagy, um, you know, he was kind of not really on my radar. He was a little far down the list. So I, he kind of came out of nowhere for me. I don't know if they'll go to college level. You know, people want to bring up Harbaugh's name or Ryan Day. I don't know why Ryan Day would even leave Ohio State. I mean, that's just a great situation for him. And, and yeah, he gets a chance to coach Justin Fields. But, I mean, he, he's the guy down there in Columbus. And then Harbaugh, you know, I think this year with the success Michigan's having, I think he'll stay longer. I don't see him making the transition back to the NFL. So I would point to those three names right now. Um, I'm glad you actually asked that because I'm going to start digging into it more. Now this report's got me kind of accelerating my clock. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's time to look at more candidates. Last question before I let it go, Zach. Do you think that the Nagy-Pace connection, do you think it is both are gone, one could stay? Do you think Pace stays but gets repositioned oh. into a different role in the front? Like, there's so many scenarios, and I've been asked about this million times. I, I just don't know. Like, is it Pace and Nagy? Are they connected? Do the McCaskies like Ryan Pace a lot, where they maybe put him in a different position and then bring in another, like, general manager guy, which is, I've heard some people toss around as well. How do you think that goes? Do you think if Nagy's gone, Pace has gone too? Or do you think there's a situation, a scenario where Pace is back for another year and Nagy's gone? Yeah, there's definitely a scenario where Pace is back. I think there's two 
scenarios in that case where he's back as a GM for another year, um, gets to hire another head coach, or they bring him back and they kind of, you know, essentially, quote-unquote, promote him into a new role, um, and they bring in a different GM. I I think my gut feeling, I think he's going to be back. I really do. I think he'll be back in one of those situations. Now, you know, Nagy, I'm, I'm 100% out on, but I, I think, you know, Pace, when you look back and they get Justin Fields and, you know, they kind of got that foundation because the plan for them was they were going to do the Mahomes-Alex Smith plan. Justin Fields was not going to play maybe till the end of the season this year, and then Andy Dalton gets hurt. So, I think Ryan Pace will look, you know, point out and say, "Look, I got more checks in the positive area on my resume. I've found guys like Akeem Hicks. You know, he hasn't been really good this year, but he's been fantastic for most of his time in Chicago. I found guys like Blaw Nichols, David Montgomery. Yeah, you know, I missed on Mitch Trubisky, but it looks like we hit on Justin Fields. I think Matt, or, um, I think Ryan Pace has enough where enough positives on his side where he might be able to convince George and Ted, hey." Uh, keep me around, even if it has to be moving, you know, into a new role. If we say it right now, I'd say I'm leaning more towards Ryan Pace staying um, rather than leaving. Great stuff. It's Zach Pearson. Follow him on Twitter at Zach underscore Pearson. Read his stuff at bearreport.com. Zach, thanks a bunch for jumping on. I appreciate it. Been a, been a crazy week for the Bears. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you so much. Um, happy Thanksgiving and enjoy your uh, week. All right, thank you to Zach for joining me to recap all the the Bears craziness this week. Up next on the podcast is Mike Clark. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Clark Preps. Covers uh, high school football and basketball. Does a great job doing that. The IHSA State Football Finals are here. Here's my conversation with Mike. Now joining me on the podcast to preview the IHSA State Championship game season flew by. Mark uh, Mike Clark. You can read his stuff at uh, SunTimes.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Clark Preps. Does a great job uh, covering the high school uh, football scene and uh, the basketball season getting going as well. But uh, the are on to the uh, state championships, which will be held in DeKalb this year at uh, Northern Illinois. Mike, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Kevin. Yeah, well, let's start with 8A. Um, it's Maine South against Lockport. Lockport, I guess you can call it an upset, right, over Loyola last week. They beat them 35-21, and Maine South just edging out Maris 35-33. But I think this is going to be a really good game, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, winning at Loyola is a ridiculously tough task. Uh, Loyola won 18 games this calendar year. They were 18-1, and 6-0 and in the spring, 12-1 and in the fall. So, you know, just think about that for a second, you know. NFL teams play 17 games. Loyola played 19 games this year. Um, and Lockport's the only team to beat them. Uh, they got a lot uh, on both sides of the ball. They got a 6'7 quarterback. Hayden Timasek has passed for 23 touchdowns. And one of the probably the most imposing part of their team is their defensive line. Uh, they've got two twin, identical twin brothers, Cody and Cole Silzer. Committed to Eastern Illinois, and then they've got uh, Drew Blackburn Forrest, who's a state champ wrestler, who has 17 tackles for loss. So, uh, really balanced for Lockport. This is the first time they've been at state since 2003, when they had a they, after the, the second year of their back-to-back state titles. And who you like? Who's your pick there between Maine South and Lockport? I guess I should say something about Maine South. <laughs> Mike Sajenko, their their running back, has 14 touchdowns in the playoffs, 30 for the. For the entire season, um, and Maine South's a little bit more uh, 
a familiar team, I guess, to be in the finals. It's the 10th time they've been there. They're going for their seventh title. Um, I saw Maine South last week. I haven't seen Lockport this year. And Maine South is just is a team that just gets it done, it feels like. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I kind of like Maine South in a close one. Yeah, you look at Maine South's run to the title here. I mean, they won big over New Trier, but then they won by three points over Plainfield North. They just edged out Nequa Valley 14-13, and then a two-point victory over Maris. To your point, they, they've played in some close ones here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and David Sarah's been here before. The other impressive thing about Maine South is they got a Big Ten recruit, Chris Petrucci, who's going to Notre Dame, a tight end. He missed last week's game with a lacerated spleen. He was in the hospital most of the week. Um, you know, we don't know his status for this week. You would kind of doubt that he would play this week, but you know, the fact that they were able to overcome that and still get to the final is pretty impressive. All right, let's get to 7A. It's uh, Wheaton North bouncing Brother Rice in the semifinals, and St. Rita over Prospect 42-20. Caleb Brown's a guy we've talked about a lot, missed most of the season, is is basically full go now. I saw some highlights from him um, from last week. And, I mean, electric stuff. He's an Ohio State recruit. Uh, What can you tell us about this Wheaton North-St. Rita matchup? Uh, Wheaton North, uh, Joe Wardinsky, who's their coach, said it on the uh, coach's phone-in on Monday. He said, we're not flashy, but we can get the job done in a variety of ways. I mean, they're capable of winning the shootout. They're capable of winning the defensive matchup. Uh, just a really solid team. Their quarterback, uh, Mark Fortucci, is going to Holy Cross. He's the guy who makes their offense run. Um, St. Rita, one of the things that you know people may not realize, they actually have two guys, Caleb Brown and their quarterback, Tommy Ulatowski, who actually played in the state championship game. And because we didn't have state last year, uh, that's a pretty rare thing. Um, and Tommy Ulatowski, the quarterback, is a baseball commit to Creighton. So, you know, it's kind of unusual, again, you know, that they've got kids with state championship experience, um, state championship game experience. They actually lost that game. But this one, I don't know. I mean, Caleb Brown is just is the number two prospect in the state. He's a game-breaker. Um, if Wheaton North can contain him, um, you know, it could be an interesting game. So, I don't know. I, I think this one's going to be a close one, too. I guess, you know, just because of Caleb Brown being the best athlete, I may be giving edge to St. Rita here. Yeah, Wheaton North, by the way, won 10-3 in the quarters and then put up 45 points in the semifinals over Brother Rice. So, yeah, they obviously can get it done in a in a variety of ways. Uh, over to 6A we go. It's Kerry Grove against East St. Louis. I, I know there's East St. Louis. I talked to Michael O'Brien leading up to this, and he's big on them. Um, and Kerry Grove undefeated on the year as well. I, I think this is going to be a real battle. Yeah, St. Louis is 11-2. Their two losses were to two national teams, St. John Bosco out of California and IMG out of uh, Florida. They've got the best player in the state, They got the, who is the number five player in the country, five-star receiver, Luther Burden. Um, he's had uh, 32 touchdowns. He had two punt return touchdowns alone against Lamont a couple of weeks ago. Um, so probably not a good idea to punt to him, uh, for one thing. Um, Kerry Grove, the interesting thing about Kerry Grove is, um, and we talked about this a little bit on the podcast uh, I do with Edgy Tim. Hopefully I'm not um, you know, violating any podcast rules here by <laughs> mentioning that. But uh, the thing is, is that their option offense is the one 
thing that kind of gives East St. Louis a little bit of trouble sometimes because it's something that you don't see an awful lot of. Um, they've got a great fullback, Nick Hissong, um, and a quarterback, Jamison Sheehan, who run that offense to perfection. Um, and this is interesting because this is probably the one class where these, this is the matchup you would have predicted at the beginning of the season. Um, there's no surprises here. We thought that these were the best two teams in 6A, and they're here. So, um, you know, I kind of... I kind of like Kerry Grove in this one. Um, you know, I, I know how good East St. Louis is, but uh, I've seen Kerry Grove, and they're a veteran team. They run their offense, like I said, to perfection, and that can limit the touches for a team like East St. Louis, which is so explosive. Yeah, East St. Louis has scored 66 points, 54 points, 42 and 54 so far. So who knows? Maybe we'll... Uh... We'll see an upset there in the in the state title game. Uh, over to 5A we go, uh, Mike. It's uh, Fenwick against Kankakee. Uh, they'll be playing Saturday at 10 a.m. at Husky Stadium. Who do you like in this matchup? Well, the thing I like about this is neither one of these teams has been there before. So we're going to have a first-time state champ no matter what happens. Um, and that's kind of one of the interesting things about this season. You know, we've seen some... Some teams that haven't been up for a while, uh, you know, really come through. And it, it's kind of interesting not to see the usual suspects there all the time. Uh, Fenwick's thing is they've got a ton of D1 talent. Their quarterback, Caden Cobb, is thrown for 27 touchdowns. He's going to Ball State. They've got two receivers who are D1. Ian Pugh's going to Illinois. Max Reese is going to Eastern Michigan. They've got a Big Ten offensive lineman, Jimmy Liston. So they've got a lot of top-level talent. Kankakee um, is interesting because you can't really key on anybody there. Um, I saw them against Morgan Park a few weeks ago, and their top receiver is Pierre Allen. Um, He had one touch in that game because Morgan Park was really trying to limit him, and Kankakee scored 42 points anyway. So basically that's kind of their deal. It's like you know they've got a bunch of athletes, and you know they'll take what – what is out there? You can't double cover everybody, you know, and uh, you know that's kind of been their mode, their their way of succeeding this year. Um, I kind of like Kankakee. They're thirteen and zero. Uh, nobody's figured out a way to beat them yet, and I think until somebody does, we have to call them the favorite. And in four A, it's certainly a school that's been here plenty of times before. Joliet Catholic, they're thirteen zero, taking on Sacred Heart Griffin uh, for the four A state title. And Sacred Heart Griffin, they can score. Uh, but Joliet Catholic is not. I've heard nothing but dominant things about them. Who, who do you like in the four A state championship? Yeah, I mean this is kind of the opposite of five A because you got JCA, which has thirteen state titles, which is more than anybody, and you're going against the coach Ken Leonard, who has four hundred and five career wins, which is more than anybody in state history. So you've got two programs that have been here before. Um, Jordan Anderson is the Illinois recruit running back for JCA. He was hurt much of the season, but he still had 28 touchdowns. So um, he's back. Vinny Iantone uh, is their other running back. who's done a really nice job filling in, especially when Jordan was out. And then they've got a quarterback. JCA has never been known for you know throwing the ball, but they've got a quarterback named Aiden Voss who's throwing the ball pretty well, too. Um, and then he's not going to be probably the best quarterback in this game because uh, – Ty Lott, who is the uh, Sacred Heart Griffin quarterback, is thrown for 42 touchdowns this year. So uh, I think I take the over on this one. Um, 
And I think I probably got to go with JCA because, again, you know, until somebody beats them, you know, you have to consider them the team. I can't wait to watch all these games over the weekend. Uh, and, and not to put a cloud over Kerry Grove or anything, and they're focused on the game and all that, but what did you make of the whole uh, fire naggy stuff that was going on when Kerry Grove was taken on Lake Forest and then Kerry Grove, you know, the school issued a statement, an apology, whatever it may have been. But what were your thoughts? I kind of chalked it up as kids being kids. I mean, there's, I see nastier stuff every day on, on social media towards Matt Nagy. But what did you think of the... I guess that whole situation. I agree with you completely. Um, you know, if you've been to high school football games or basketball games, the student sections are going to say a lot of stuff. Um, I've heard worse, absolutely. Um, Kerry Grove administrators, I understand, did shut it down pretty quickly. Um, from what I've heard from people who were at the game, um, you know, and I mean, I think we all agree that, you know, probably Matt Nagy's kids, you know, don't need to deal with that kind of stuff, but I thought, you know, Matt himself, you know, kind of dealt with it in a pretty professional way. He understands that that's part of the, the gig for him, you know, and he said he didn't hear it, um, which I guess, you know, is, is certainly possible because it apparently was fairly brief and, uh, you know, not maybe not have been heard by everybody there. But, I mean, you know, I think the whole uh, – backlash to it or um i don't know what you want to call it you know it, it seems a little bit out of proportion because again any of us who've been to high school games have heard a lot worse than that yeah yeah all right well uh that's mike clark i really appreciate you jumping on the podcast hopefully we get some good games over the weekend uh, at northern illinois follow mike on twitter at mike clark preps read his stuff it's uh, suntimes.com as well mike uh, thank you very much for jumping on the podcast i'm looking forward to these games this weekend Absolutely. We're looking forward to first state final in two years, and uh, it's going to be fun to be back in DeKalb. It's always a great atmosphere there. One thing, I, one more thing I did want to mention, too, it's like Link, Lake Blackport and Maine South both have tremendous fan sections, um, and I think that that game in particular, the last game of uh, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, I think the stadium's going to be packed for that one. It should be a, a real rocking atmosphere. Can't wait. Mike, thanks a bunch. I appreciate it. Sounds good, Kevin. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for episode 21 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. What a crazy few days it's been for the Chicago Bears. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening. Thank you to Zach Pearson for joining me on that. Thank you to Mike Clark for previewing the IHSA State Football Finals. And thank you to Brian Altimer and Ernie Scanton for their help producing the podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and thanks again for listening. Have a great day.